This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Scarlett Hildebeidel talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. I'm Aaron, and with me as always is Dave, but we have no Scarlet today. I know, it's a, it's a super depressing day because of that, um, but what I would say uh, is stay tuned for next week, because mm. we'll dig into some very amusing news. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's my teaser. Uh, <laughs> what, Aaron, what else? It involves a discussion that I'm going to kind of... Uh, uh, poke at you and Scarlett. So I'm going to leave the listeners at that. All right. You so know, I think that's uh, fair. Uh-huh. I think that's uh-huh. fair. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, it's also a little bit of a, a depressing day because, you know, we're getting closer to the election and uh, that's just depressing in, in its entirety, as is politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? Let's talk about, you know, we talked about religion last week. Now yep. we're going to politics. All of the, uh, uh, all the family-friendly Thanksgiving conversation uh, conversation starters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and and just for the record, just as a reminder, everybody, I have no stake in this game because I'm an immigrant, so uh, well, I I don't get to vote. <laughs> now, wait, wait a minute. Listen, we're acknowledging the fact that it is the United States, uh, an election in the United States, a very big one because every four years there's a presidential election, but there yes. are always every every two years, sometimes every year, depending on your city and your and your uh, county, there's always elections going on. So you, those are just as important, uh, important for different reasons, but they are all important. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, Aaron, you're welcome to weigh in on all the lovely Canadian politics and all the books that come with them. I mean, Justin Trudeau's uh, workout book, mm. um, how he styles his hair. Yep. All these things. That's 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 what I'm interested. Yeah, in. Yeah, Prime Minister Fashion is uh, is the best selling title recently. So. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, mm-hmm. we no, it is it is a weird time because I mean, you hear this every year or every election year that, you know, this is the most important election in the history of America and that's great. Um, but, you know, this one's just weird. <laughs> it's just weird. It is weird. <laughs> like um, when you've got people when you've got the the cable news reporters Referring to things as S shows, um, <laughs> um, in their yes. commentary, uh, you know that you know things are are weird and bad. So, but uh, you it's, know, no, it, it it's it's very true. Uh, this this is a very strange one for lots of different reasons. Um, I, I would say, as listeners, I, I've mentioned this before, I think, uh, but. I worked uh, when I early on in when I worked in publishing, I worked on a lot of political books and it was a, it's a fascinating world. It, it, it is current event books. It is um, books that of course heavily rely on the media to be able to drive conversation for you. And when I worked on a lot of those social media was young. How about that? It was, this yeah. is like 2006 to 2010. Uh, whereas, you know, social media certainly was growing then, but 
and the influence of 2020 is obvious in terms of what social media can do. Um, even how people respond to Twitter, you know, going out for a few hours mm -hmm. <laughs> and people's reactions to why. So I'm going to leave it at that. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, but that's what things have come to in 2020. But, but I will say this, I, it, it, it's kind of like working on political books was every day I got to witness a car crash and, yes. uh, and, and you know how it is like you always turn to see when you hear screeching, right? You're wondering, okay, something terrible is about to happen. I can't help, but look to see what's going to happen. And, uh, and that's the way politics, uh, well, at least political books go. Uh, but no, I, man, I spent, um, I mean, I, I, at least once a month, I was going to New York and Washington, D.C. for media trips with authors uh, or, you know, relationship trips, PR firms and so on. And um, there are just some people who love that world and they love uh, the power. They love that they're at the center of influence. I, while I didn't feel that way, it was just fascinating to be around people who... Um, uh, you know, just, just, I don't know what would happen. Just crazy things happen in Washington, DC. I think I shared, uh, uh, it, it was, it was sometime earlier this year. I think when we had Joel Miller on, we were talking about mm -hmm. all the crazy stories that happen when Joel and I worked together. And it was like all of Joel Miller's political books that, <laughs> that I worked on for marketing. Mm -hmm. And I think I mentioned like John McCausland's launch party and, uh, Owen Wilson stumbling in, um, drunk or high or some combination of that into the launch book party for his <laughs> and um yeah and making a scene so like that anything can happen in washington dc just like new york and you know one other note just about political books especially in 2020 is you know if you look at any industry news and in publishing right now technically uh, the industry has had a pretty strong uptick in 2020, even in the middle of COVID. So basically what's happened is there was a big surge, what happened early on. People were at home and they're like, well, I can only take so much Netflix. I eventually need to get a book. So they would order books online because they couldn't get it at a physical bookstore. Mm -hmm. so there was a huge surge and people wanted books, but Amazon wasn't shipping them for a while because, you know, they, they books were not an essential uh, product, you know, when they needed to be sending more important things like masks and, and other uncleaning products, <laughs> all the Clorox they could send out to America as can be. Um, no, but, uh, but, but, but what really has, I don't know if the word is saved because if you're a publisher who released a very, uh, a very prominent book on a political figure this year, the odds are you did really well. Mm -hmm. Some of the books this year would be uh, like Mary Trump's book um, about her. And that's her brother or no, that's uncle, her, uncle, uncle, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, she, she would be his niece. Um, you know, Andrew Cuomo's just come out with his leadership book. You've got, um, um, you know, the book on James Baker. Uh, oh, John Bolton's book, The Room Where It Happened. You know, John mm -hmm. Bolton was national security advisor. And yeah, you've and, got uh, uh, Trump's Fixers book out Trump, there, too. Yeah, yes, you got Michael Cohen, <laughs> his yep. book, 
disloyal. <laughs> yeah. Which, which every time I look at the book cover for that, it looks like a lifetime movie poster. Um, it, it just it just looks, um, yeah, like it was pieced together somehow with, by Photoshop, and it looks like a terrible thriller. Um, but uh, I'm trying not to comment on the politics, more just like how these books are created so quickly. Uh huh. And as you can imagine, there's so many legal issues that go with it. Um, and, you know, all of them, you know, they, they gain so much prominence because there's generally a lawsuit threatened or there is an actual lawsuit going on. Mm -hmm. All it does, as we all know, is that brings so much more word of mouth and media attention toward a book like that. And, uh, and thus, to me, I, I mean, I have like a love-hate relationship with a lot of these books. I think some of them can be fascinating, but... Um, I, since I think it's pretty well documented on this podcast, I think um, pol <laughs> political books are uh, and political history books are fascinating. Um, I'm going to pause right now, by the way, because um, I'm recording this at home today. I'm not recording at my office. Aaron's actually at his office right now. Mm -hmm. But um, since uh, the spirit of calling me Cat Lady Dave, um, I have a cat literally on top of my head right now. Uh, swatting my head and I, wish, <laughs> and I wish Aaron we don't have our video turned on that you could see this I'm going to do it for one second just so you can see nice um so there you go listeners uh you'll just have to imagine there's a cat this, sitting right on top of his head yeah exactly so back to political um books but I don't know Aaron so I, I there's a lot I there's a lot of uh, amusing categories but like everyone thinks of like these kind of books that are like, mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to review what really happened behind the scenes there. And that, that's just one category of book to me. I think, uh, as I mentioned, there's great like political history books that are more, Hey, I'm going to write about this a few years later, give time to collect my thoughts. And they're more like the straight up political memoirs that are, um, they have time to, give that person the ability to process what's happened as opposed to it being a pure reactionary book. And, you know, you know, the, the, the presidential memoirs are, are great examples of, of ones that fit there, like Barack Obama's book that's coming out next month. Yeah. Um, George W. Bush's book, decision points. Mm -hmm. um, and then Bill Clinton's my life. Um, I mean, those are great examples of them. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's um, you know I I think those are always interesting because they represent a piece of history and yes, at the end of the day they are a perspective. Um, you know, people will always find a way to um, criticize uh, you know anyone who writes a book like that because they may not have liked the decision they made they made or they question um the validity of their perspective mm -hmm. and what's always tricky is that you can have two books by two different people who are both in the room but they observe something very differently and that represents the glory of a political memoir <laughs> yes um and and it's tricky so you know um my caution always with these is you know sometimes people buy books just to back up something they already believe. Mm -hmm. I don't think that does any, anyone any good. Um, 
I like reading these, not all of them, but I like reading them for just a little bit more perspective while reserving final judgment for trying to look at all these different things. So, you know, hey, listen, after a Trump presidency, whether that ends here in the next few months or four years from now, the reality is um, there's going to be lots of perspectives on on what's happened. And there already have been. Um, I, I read it's been, I finished last week, James Comey's book. He wrote a couple years ago. He was, you know, he was famous, famous FBI director who was fired by Trump about three months and or four months into his presidency. And he was the one who investigated two core things. One Hillary's um, uh, emails, mm-hmm. meaning her, whether or not they were uh, sent uh, knowingly and maliciously uh, or recklessly, I should say, uh, sharing information to the United States about the United States to others that should be classified and sent through official accounts on mm-hmm. behalf of the Secretary of State. And then the other one was, uh, <laughs> well, Trump's uh, election um, being... I'm trying to put this like nicely. It's it's so hard to talk about these uh, about the Russian interference in yes. Trump's campaign to get elected. Uh, that's my just like neutral way of putting it. And 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 it's fascinating because like it, you're in a no win situation. And and I know there's a lot of people who didn't like James Comey because he stole a lot of the limelight during that time. But the more you read from a lot of different perspectives, you realize, man, people like that whether you agree they're right or wrong, we're kind of in no-win situations and we're trying to do as best as possible the right thing. That being said, there are going to be people who, uh, I'm sure some of you listening that are not going to like him because of decisions he made on behalf of the Bureau that also affected the election. And that's a big thing he talks about in it. And but he, he, he shares so much about the reasons why in order to preserve the purpose of the FBI. Um, but I, I don't know, Aaron, I know this, this conversation is making you squirm right now. Oh, hundred um, percent. Uh, oh, good. Good. Yeah. But, no, it's fine. It's fine. I, no. I, I do think it's, I do think it's helpful though, to read, uh, read books in this realm. Um, I per I lean toward more historical books. I mean, like I I like a good memoir on a on a on like a long dead president, um, largely because there's been enough time, and you but you can learn from those things as well. So, um, you know, I've referenced um, the the book on John Quincy Adams bo- yeah. um, in the past, but that one was really helpful because you got to see how just because. Because he was really the first of he was the one of the first children who was basically groomed from the get go to become mm-hmm. a president. Like mm-hmm. his education was built around this, and his and everything his parents did was was for this toward this end goal, and which is you know impressive and terrifying considering he was one of the earliest presidents, but. Um, and he was the absolute worst <laughs> at it. And no. so it's just one of those things where it's like you can't – but when he actually became a senator after being the president, he was actually pretty right. good. 
He's a con congressman, right? Or con yeah, con yeah, con congressman. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I always get those two confused, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But he's one of the few who, after he was president, he went back to Massachusetts and ran for the House of Representatives. Yes. And remained in Washington, and he continued to leverage influence. Yeah. Towards, I mean, his uh, wife was not too super happy about it, but uh, but she <laughs> she rolled with it. Um, but, but that was the, the thing that was fascinating there. Um, you know, I, years ago, I, I actually listened to the audiobook version of Decision Points and that one was fascinating to me, yeah. um, because it was, because I appreciated the, to the tone and the tact of the book. Now, whether you agree with Bush or not, it was interesting. Um, mm -hmm. I have, uh, teed up in my Audible account, I actually have, uh, uh, Kamala Harris's book, um, mm. all all ready to go, and so I mean, just because I'm I'm intrigued, I'm I I want to I want to know who this person is, or the yeah. the picture of this person that she is putting forward. Um, you know, we're thinking about you know the speed at which political books come out. Um, I mean, it always made me laugh that it was like. Uh, that it seemed like the day after the election, Hillary Clinton's book, What Went Wrong, came out. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's like, man, you had this ready. All That's impressive that you had this uh -huh. done that fast. Um, you know, there's nothing there's nothing like a good pile of cash to, to help make stuff like yeah. that happen. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, no. you know, one of the things that is actually really beneficial for people to read is rather than rather than reading like uh, salacious books like the attack books or or whatever, um, if you really want to form an opinion and um, you know, so I know a lot of I know a lot of people who are socially and politically conservative who are very uncomfortable with Trump, and um, but the reason is not just is not simply because of his of his character um, and his behavior and uh, everything else that, that comes with that. Um, it's because they, they, they've taken that, some have taken the time to actually explore what does conservative even mean? Um, and one of the best books that is, um, that I had pointed to me um, about this was actually uh, The Politics of Prudence by Russell Kirk. And uh, and so in that book, he outlines uh, basically 10 points of conservative principles. Um, and so those 10 include, you know, that conservatives believe that there is an enduring moral order. So uh, that is that is a that is an important thing because you have to believe that they're like it basically conservatism um, stands and falls on the idea of objective moral truth. So once you take that out, there's no such thing as conservatism. And, and that's important. Um, you have things like custom uh, an adherence to custom convention and continuity, um, they, uh, the principle of prescription, the principle of prudence, the principle of variety, uh, of imperfectibility, um, meaning that they understand that people are not perfect. Um, that conservatives are persuaded that freedom and property are closely linked, um, that conservatives uphold voluntary community quite as opposed to involuntary collectivism, 
um, you know, that uh, there is a need for prudent restraint upon power and upon human passions, and that there is an understanding of the permanence and change, that permanence and change must be recognized and reconciled in a vigorous society. Hey, going back to John Quincy Adams, uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that one up because I think it's really interesting. He, uh, you know, if you ever saw the movie Amistad, he was, uh, you know, I, I, was that part of his memoir, by the way? Did he talk about his time, uh, you know, with the Amistad case? Mm-hmm. He did? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, which I, I don't, I mean, I know he was not certainly a powerful president, but I think that... There's a lot of like, I think what another thing that's interesting, there's a great book called The President's Club, which is in the 20th century, the ex-presidents who continued to work together uh, and or advise the president um, or just be a supporter of, of him. Um, uh, was it Nancy Gibbs and another guy wrote it? But it's a really, it's a really interesting book. You know, there's just stories, everything from, Bill Clinton and uh, George H.W. Bush doing their trips to raise money around the world for everything from uh, post-Katrina to the, it started actually the first time, the uh, tsunami uh, fundraising after the, was it 2004 was the tsunami or five? I can't remember, but the point is uh, it just showed two very different politicians and how they could come together after the election to do something. And, and, and it just goes to show, like, you know, after you've had the the most important job in the world, what do you do next? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think John Quincy Adams, an interesting one, he decides, I'm going to go back and continue to serve. But in a, a little bit more minor way, but he's representing people in Massachusetts where he's from. And um, I don't know, I just, to me, I think it's interesting. There's a lot of of course, background stories of kind of what makes these people tick, but also you learn so much more about leadership and uh, kind of more who they are in their humanity as opposed to what they project for public viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know, I think it's, it's fascinating. Um, but, you know, another book, which you could look at it in one way as just a pure history book, but also at the end of the day, it's a book about politics is Team of Rivals, Doris Kearns Goodwin. Everybody loves that book because it's about the political genius of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. But what's what if that was written, I don't know, a year or two after he was killed? You know, like what would... You know, uh, I don't think they were publishing those types of books then. But at the end of the day, what's different about analyzing his political career or his political savviness, um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, whenever that book came out, uh, which would have been almost 150 years after his death to uh, something that was published just a month or two years after. So it's just interesting, you know, you could look at one as a history book and one as one is kind of a more current events political memoir or a study on a particular person. So I, you know, I, I you know, cause a lot of people just classify that as a history book and I yeah. said, it's a political science book. So I think it has a little bit of all of that together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, it's the temptation is okay. Some books are designed 
to be read within a period of time, almost like an extended article. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's really what it is. It's just a more expensive article, right? Yeah. Um, and those are generally the ones that they don't last, you know, they, they're designed, they sell within one month of publication and they're done and they're at the bargain table a month after that. So it's, it's fascinating. I, again, I think there's some, some worthy ones, um, that, that, and I listed, you know, I mentioned the James Comey one because earlier, because I think I was so interested in what kind of made him tick as a person, like what drove his values. Mm-hmm. Why did he, why did he make decisions he made that were very controversial? Um, and, and certainly he was looking for the sake of the FBI and trying to do the right thing while perhaps sacrificing something greater. Um, but I, I, but I love books like those when I can, really get into the shoes, step into the shoes of that person to think, huh, what would I do in that situation? If I was faced with both of those choices, what would I do? Um, those, to me, those are good political books. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it has nothing to do with whether I agree or not with the way he handled things. I just think what it is, it prompted me to think deeply about those issues the John Bolton book was, oh, boring as can be. Um, I did read that one as well um, because I, I remember him being the ambassador to the United Nations during George W. Bush, and he was fairly controversial then because he was pretty, pretty extreme to the right. Um, um, <laughs> but he may not be has been uh, as right wing as Trump in this case. So I, it's uh, just fascinating. So. I understand, listeners, you may not be interested in any of these things. Uh, my only point, and, and I told Aaron, I said, hey, I think we should talk about political books. I know it's not fun to everyone, but I think <laughs> they have purpose. And when when we can look back at a book like All the President's Men by Woodward and Bernstein, uh, well, that is a book or an, started with a um, with, uh, of course, multiple uh, articles um, you know, in the Washington Post that became the book. But those articles in the book brought down Richard Nixon. So, <laughs> you know, books have a lot of power and um, and it could go to any political party or persuasion, whatever that may be. Yeah. So it's hard not to argue that they, uh, it's hard not to at least address that type of genre. Um, and and assess its value. And, and, and again, my encouragement for you, if you don't like them, if you're looking for recommendations, we certainly will post some in the, uh, uh, in our notes for the show, but I wouldn't throw out the genre completely. Just be, you know, look at, look at it as a way to gain perspective and learn about qualities of people. Or, you know, if, if, if something is controversial, get the perspectives, mm-hmm. you know, read two different types of books about it. Yes. Um, and by the way, I'm not even suggesting go out and spend $25 in these books. They're going to be at the library. Trust me. Yes. They are always there. Go pick them up, skim through them if you want, whatever, just get a, just give an idea of what that's like. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're, you're like it or not, you're dealing with a piece of history and it eventually will be compiled in something more acceptable known as a history book 
And uh, I mean, really, history yeah. books in the, the day are just more acceptable. That's mm-hmm. all they are. You know, it's having more time for context and more information to be brought to light. And there's a purpose. Uh, history books have a, have a great purpose in that way. But when does it become a history book <laughs> compared to a political memoir? Well, and I mean, you can always argue that the moment that it is printed, it becomes a history book because, well, time keeps moving. Even if it turns, even if it ends up being incomplete or false or or whatever, um, and so it. But it is, it is fascinating, and it's like this is why I gravitate toward. Um, toward books that would probably be looked at more as history as opposed to, you know, outright like political science type books um, is because there's time. And um, we live in a super, super outrage motivated culture. Um, And that means that there's a lot of unhealth that comes with and, – and this is true on both sides. Uh, but there's a lot of unhealth in the kinds of writing that are out there now. So if you're looking for balanced works, it's probably going to be hard to find. Mm. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I, and that's why I, I would encourage anyone to uh, – don't just read something to fuel something you already believe uh, in a political book. That is, by the way, I challenge certainly to understand other people's perspectives. I think we would all get along a lot better if we did that. Um, that <laughs> I'm not necessarily, uh, I'm not suggesting we read theology that way, by the way. <laughs> um, I, I think that's a whole different conversation. I just mean for political books. Um, you're, you're, yeah, absolutely right. Um yeah. But, you know, again, like I, even though I was so going back to when I worked in that world, I was so, uh, I was so relieved to be not working in that world when I left it. Um, but I've always been fascinated with it. Mm-hmm. I, I still will watch certain movies or read certain books that inspire me to want to remain engaged in whatever's going on in public life. Mm-hmm. Um doesn't mean I want to run for office. Doesn't mean that I necessarily want to uh, go work for the government, but I certainly respect it more and recognize how difficult it is. And um, so it makes me grateful for those who are there and realize, you know what? It's never going to be perfect. Um, the sun will rise uh, on November 4th uh, after this you know, U.S. presidential election. And uh, there will be more books written to understand more how we got to that point. And, and don't worry, and, they've already been written and they're just waiting to get released. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I had an author of mine who uh, his book was kind of he said, hey, I'll get to it when I can get to it. I'm trying to rush a political book out before November 1. <laughs> That's what he tells me. I'm like, OK, I'm laughing. That's amazing. Um, I'm like, well, good luck with that. Yeah. Five minutes to sell that thing. Good luck. Yep. I love it. He's uh, he's going for that New York Times bestseller list right there. Yes. Catch the yes. last of the uh, last of the so-called undecideds. <laughs> yeah, that's a way of putting it right there. Good one there. Good one there. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. Um, oh well. Are we done talking about political books? Oh, I, I sure hope so. I, I, yeah. Okay. Good. Good. All right. Because <laughs> we talked about this for thirty minutes. 
I know. I, I told I, and listen. I told Aaron. I said I think we need like I don't know a few minutes to talk about this. Yeah, no, <laughs> thirty, it's, Dave, thirty. It's the it's the uh, it's the elephant in the room book genre. How about that? You uh, know, it, it yeah. is definitely an elephant in a room. Um, you know, speaking of elephants in a room, uh, you know, I thought I'd give you guys a little update on where I'm at with Lonesome Dove, and uh... oh my, oh my. <laughs> Uh, okay, and so and? I think I'm on page 83. Wow, so wait, wait, hold on. You were like on page 60 or something. How do you like just suddenly pick it up and only read 20 pages? How does well, that it's been I've been reading like a page at a time. <laughs> okay, uh, a page at a time. Good grief. All right, fair enough. Like, but, but like, when do you do this? Is like before bed, then it makes you go to sleep? Like, it's just whenever, whenever I actually feel like re- picking it up. Yeah, but like, what state of mind are you in when you feel like picking it up? Like, what's going on? Ah, uh, well, <laughs> you're not sure what to say. I love it. I love it. I was mostly uh, hating myself. Yeah, that, that's okay. Yeah. That is okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm going to be right. honest. I am not enjoying this book. Like, it is It is well written. Like, undeniably, right. it is well written. It just does not connect with me at any level. Okay. All right. So, I casually was on Facebook maybe a week ago. And uh, what is it? PBS is, uh, you know, you know, they do the, um, it's not the book of the year thing. It's uh, hold on. I'm going to come up with it. What do they call it? It's like the, Oh, the great American novel or great American book or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it called? Great American book. I'm looking it up as we're talking, which, you know, we all love Absolutely. Um, whatever, but point it, it, you know, it's people posting all the time on things. And, and one person wrote, <laughs> posted lonesome dub i just don't get it <laughs> i don't understand why people love this it's long i can't get interested in it <laughs> and it got and, and this person was getting demolished but mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who feel probably the way you do and at the end of the day hey listen aaron uh you you can put it to the side you can give it up i think um, i might because you know what um i could i could stand to get a little bit of extra credit at mckay's <laughs> that's a good point did you buy it used or new no i actually bought it new so ah, yeah why don't you uh man give that to somebody who would like it then if it's new yeah uh, i hear you yeah, yeah but like you bought it new now you get all right yeah so i'm looking at the uh, uh so since you mentioned it i'm looking at the great american read list from pbs right now yeah, that's thank you. And, Great American read. Thank you, you know, we need to have Barnabas come back on and talk about this with us. Sure. Because there are some dumpster fire books on here that somehow made it onto this list. <laughs> Such as I'm gonna give you two that I hate because they're ba- or three that I hate because they're back to back to back. Okay. All right. So uh there's your favorite your favorite romance, the notebook. Yes, absolutely. My favorite. I reread it every year. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes yes. twice. Uh, <laughs> followed by, followed immediately by The Shack. Oh. 
Really? Really? That's on there? Yes. Oh, that's fascinating. That's that okay. makes me weep for America right here. Uh, huh. Followed by a Confederacy of Dunces. <laughs> okay, no, I haven't read it. You have? I could not finish it. I did not. Uh-oh. I did not enjoy it in any way. Um, and uh, you know that's that's fine. I'm okay. Also on this list are the Twilight Saga. Okay, I'm sure. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. Well, um, there's know, also the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which I mean, I adore, but it's not an American read. <laughs> uh, so when they say American read, it just has to be written by an American author novel, right? Well, but That's the it's whole idea. it's not even that because there's tons of British authors that are on here, like J.K. Rowling and Jane Austen and J.R.R. Tolkien, um, and it's just like, come on, guys. This is, you know, Anna Green Gables is on here. That's Canadian. That's, no, that's not okay. That is, that's as Canadian as it gets right there. I am um, offended on behalf of my nation that this, that a Canadian staple is on the great American read list. Now, if it's just a great read list, okay, fine. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> okay. Right. Or are they trying to justify it as these are, these are reads that the great American list the list of books that americans like to read which is it i mean it could be anything that's 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 why that's kind of a stupid way of putting it that's really what it is i thought it was literally like i don't know, i think of a mark twain you know I, I i think of harper lee um well harper lee uh, is on here well i i would hope so <laughs> i would <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, J.D. Salinger, you know, the the any book or author we were forced to read, Steinbeck would fit there, you know, yes. those, those types of things. But, so, um, so here, wow. so here's the details. Here's the details. I got it. Okay. okay. Uh, so, um, there was an eight part series. Uh, it was a TV series too, um, and of course, PBS is like, we don't endorse any of the titles on the hot on the top 100 list, and so they. Um, so the series was exploring and celebrating the power of reading through the prism of America's 100 best loved not best loved novels as chosen in a national survey. So that's what so that's uh, how they're getting to it. All um, it is is Americans voting on it. It's America's best loved book. Okay. But, you know, I'm still going to maintain my offense um on behalf of my nation. And uh, and it's gonna be okay. Also, Moby Dick is on that list, and um, <laughs> as we all know, no one has actually read that book. They all quit. I'm gonna read it just because. <laughs> I, I think mean, you I should. Like, remember we we we. All right, let's go back to. Uh, it's been last year when we. Sorry, you and I read, or I read all that. You read some of it. Barnabas read like uh, a, pa- a paragraph of. Uh, of of Nick, whatever his name is, Nicholas Sparks. Nicholas Sparks, thank you, Nicholas Sparks, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, the one that I, I you guys left like... me hanging on, and I am the only one who read. No, I read it. Okay, I read. You did read all of it. I, I thought did. you read only like part of it. No, I, I read yeah, the whole and, thing. You and I read it. Yeah, I mean, it it was a simple read. Uh, that wasn't the issue, but um, yeah. <laughs> 
but 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 we've made fun of Moby Dick so much, but I haven't read it. I mm. I, I can't. Um, you know, I, I mean, I feel like in order to bash something, I need to have, have read it. So, but everyone says don't read it. So I'm like, okay, but I still want to watch this car wreck, right? Because you told me not to watch the car wreck. So now you have so, to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the way to put it. There you go. There you okay. go. Man, we're accomplishing things in this day. You this know, absolutely. This has been a good use of our time. So. <sighs> <laughs> So, Dave, how about we wrap things up with uh, on a lighter note and uh, you share what you're reading right now? Man, um, in the spirit of, of political thrillers, um, I just started Brad Thor's The Lions of Lucerne. And, uh, you know, Brad Thor, who lives here in Nashville, I thought I should probably try some of his books. That's his first, like, well-known one. Um I think Barnabas described him as a B version of, uh, of, of other thriller writers like, you know, Connolly he loves mm -hmm. and, and so on, but I don't know. I will read it and see, you know, uh, to me, I've only just, you know, I, and I'm doing the audio books. So I just listened to part of it, but, uh, like literally like 30 minutes of it. Mm -hmm. ah, it seems, it seems interesting. I mean, I like these things. I I've, I, here's one other thing. I've also realized after going through books like these, like Tom Clancy ones, I really love the characters and I love the storylines, but I've, every Clancy one that I've read, I haven't enjoyed reading, but I love the movies. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't know if it is, Hey, the movie is better than the book. I just seem to enjoy this in like a visual format in probably the same way. If I ever read any of the Bourne, uh, the Jason Bourne novels. Don't do that to yourself. Uh, well, that's what I mean. I know like the movies are fun. They're fast paced yeah. and, you know, it's Matt Damon trying to expand his uh, his genres. Uh, so, you know, he, he's like, I'm going to pick up a weapon and, and run around for mm -hmm. two hours for each movie. So, yeah, that, yeah. that works for me. There you yeah. Go. See, part of the reason why you love the, the movies and not the books is, is because they turn the they turn the movies into action thrillers where the books are very long. Yes. You know what? That's a great point. And a lot of the Tom Clancy stuff too, there's a little bit, sometimes I don't need to know the backstory of some random guy mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't really help me out much. That, like he'll do that a lot to try and build up more who that person is, who they married and why and what they did in their spare time. Like, I don't care. I just want to know when the kidnapping happens or the <laughs> terrorists threaten to do whatever. And, yeah. you know, just, it just goes, whereas a movie doesn't waste time with that. Usually a good movie doesn't. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And you know, and maybe that's the thing with political, political thriller movies too. Um, uh, you know, it's sometimes I don't, I guess reading it can be interesting, but I don't know. I kind of like the fast pacedness of, of that. I like, I know we talked earlier about like all the presence men. I mean, I love the movie. I think it's great. Um, uh, but I never read the book. I just, mm -hmm. I know all the story and I've read other articles on it. So I don't know. So many books to read. We can't get to them all. So y'all yep. help us out. Um, all right, Aaron, what about you? What do you got? Oh, man. I am... What am I currently reading? <laughs> uh -oh. I've had a bit of a slow week, actually. Um, I've had a little bit of trouble kind of getting into anything right now. Again. Uh, but that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll recover. But uh, I, one thing I did do before I... Before you tell you what I have been reading has been uh, I updated my Goodreads challenge. 
What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, wait, did you reduce it? I did. I cut it's it. It's cheating. It's, it's not cheating. cheating. It's acknowledgement no, that I bit off more than I could chew based on the way that the year has gone. And there's no shame in revising your goal. Really? There's no shame in revising your goal. Yes, there is. There's shame from me. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't count. Yes, it does. How does that count? Because, like, you, you set a very high standard for everyone. Right? Yeah, but it's and still ridiculous. Yeah, but you've accomplished this in the past, have you not? Yeah, but I've accomplished the other one in the past, too, but I'm not accomplishing it this year. Oh, all right. So what were you at? What, what did you start with? And then what have you revised? I I took it from 125 to 100. Okay. 100 seems very doable for you. I think, you, yeah, you definitely can do that. I got 77 so, in two and a half months. Oh, yeah. Within, yeah. To go. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. No so problem. not 77 so. books in two and a half months. Right. <laughs> right. That would be problematic. But uh, but no, right. I can, I think I can do this. I think. And if not, yeah. and if I fail, well, then then you can make fun of me on a future episode, but not before. Right. Right. Well, um, I mean, I'm, I'm still going to make fun of you, and I, I think our listeners should too. All right. So that's going to be the question. <laughs> can you revise? Can you revise any of that? So sure. Can people you, can. You know, people can ask. I say yes, and uh, obviously, uh, but uh, and you say no, but that's because you're wrong, and uh, and that's fine. So um, <laughs> as far as what I am. Reading, uh, I just finished a, gr- a Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis. Yes. And um, that was a hard book, but it was a good book. Um, let's see here. What else do I have going on? I have Surprised by Joy coming up next. Uh, yes. H- had you read it? Uh, I A while ago, but... Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a while. So, or at least I think I read it. It's gotcha. been a, it's been a long time. So, um, I I read that I read that in college, and nice. um, boy, it's 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 so good. Um, and you know, I, I I in a time when you're trying to have a better understanding of your own theology, I think it is a um, it makes you appreciate C.S. Lewis and his approach to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to his faith, and he certainly, I, I love how, well, I don't know, I, the, talk, yeah. let's talk about that after you're done, Yeah, because uh, even kind of when he comes to know Jesus, uh, mm-hmm. how about that? It's, it's, it's really interesting. So, yeah. all right, we, yeah. we, so, we need, we need, we need to have a, a more, a more in-depth dive into C.S. Lewis at some point, too. I know we, we've yes. always talked about C.S. Lewis books, but I feel like Books like those, his like real personal stories, I think are fascinating. You're right. Uh, yeah. Grief observed, surprised by joy. Oh, so good. And yeah, and and I I have we'll we'll save that for uh, for Scarlet. But I um, uh, I do have. I think I mentioned it. Uh, you know, the Great Divorce. Mm-hmm. And um, quick side note for amusement. You know, I think I, I think I said. Did I say this about my wife when I asked her to for that for my birthday? <laughs> All I did was I put I, I put it on a list and I just wrote the great divorce. Yes. I never wrote who, I, I never wrote who it was by or any context <laughs> for it. 
<laughs> that was a cruel and thing to do, Dave. I had no idea I did it. I was like, yeah, I kind of started to list some things and like, yeah, I'd because I wanted like a nice edition of it, you know. And, but you uh, want, but she she could have read it as I want a divorce. Uh, pretty much, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right up there with some new running shorts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some shorts, a divorce, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> some That's ice cream. Right <laughs> yeah, hold on, let's go back to that one. No, I don't want a divorce. I want the great divorce. <laughs> it's not just it's big it's great <laughs> yeah so another one that i've got in my um in my queue actually as an audiobook is uh blood sweat and pixels by jason jason schreier and oh. uh this is um the the subtitle on this is the triumphant turbulent story behind how video games are made Oh, so interesting. yeah, so it's so it's intriguing. So uh, I want to check that out, and uh, and it'll be fun. Well, even though I I don't have like an interest in how they're made, I do. I am fascinated with the emergence of of games over mm -hmm. the past forty years. Um, you mm -hmm. know, I've, you know, we've talked about Ready Player One, which is fun, but. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, Business Force podcast from Wondering, or is it Wondering? No, it's a, or is that, uh, I can't, I think it's Wondering. Yeah. But that's yeah. a fun podcast. But they did one on Nintendo versus Sony. Yes. And uh, I remember that too. It's like a six or a seven part one. It's really fun. And, you know, it's nostalgic because, you know, we all grew up in that era. And this, it certainly chronicles the 80s and 90s of, uh, of of gaming systems and it's fascinating from a business perspective it's fascinating from a uh just an understanding of how games evolved in that period too so mm -hmm. i don't know oh it's fun yeah they have also there's all sorts of interesting episodes that that podcast does so i recommend them too yeah yeah so it's it's a cool show i enjoy that one i i really like their marvel versus dc one yes as well that one yes. was cool so but uh, all right, man, this has been a good chat. And uh, it's, you know, we've we've definitely gone all over the place once again. We got a little bit of ranting happening and it was glorious. So, uh, Dave, thanks for hanging out today, man. This was fun. All right. For sure. So you guys know what to do. Leave your five-star rating and review. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. This is an Area Code podcast.